is the show where Eskimos fans get all things green and gold from the man who calls the shots. We're just ready to lace it up and go out there and hit somebody and uh, play physical, disciplined football. This is where one empire gets insight you can't get anywhere else. This is the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering, Canada's largest public automotive and RV auction. Now, with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. No longer undefeated, but still in first place. The Eskimos at 7-1 and one as we start a new week in the Canadian Football League. A 33-26 loss last Thursday night in Winnipeg against the Blue Bombers brought the, brought the perfect start to the season to its conclusion for the Eskimos, but as I mentioned, still in first place, not with much room to spare, but still in first place. We say good evening, as always, to the coach, Jason Moss. How are you, Jason? Doing great, thank you. Uh, let's start there with the standings. I mean, you go to 7-1, and one, that's a great start to the season, but you have zero room for error atop the standings. Uh, Calgary's a point back, Winnipeg's a win back, uh, everybody's just knocking on the door in the West. It's going to be a great finish, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's such as playing in the, in the West, so... Uh, uh, we're fine with that. Uh, we still control everything. Uh, everything's right in front of us. Uh, just got to keep playing good football, and everything will take care of itself. Did you guys survive the solar eclipse today at practice? Yeah, we. we I think guys were trying to look at it and whatnot, but yeah, we survived it just fine. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the news of the day today, and that, of course, is uh, the arrival of John Chick, his first practice with the team trade made, uh, announced yesterday uh, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, you uh, give up a second-round pick, you get John Chick and a fifth-round pick, but most importantly, you get John Chick, who's probably over the last 10 years been one of the most dominant pass rushers in this league league what uh what in your mind precipitated the trade and what kind of effect can john chick have on you well i think just looking at our depth right now and the fact that we've had a couple key key components of our d-line injured uh precipitated it uh, i think uh, at the end of the day you know uh we reached out uh hamilton was forthcoming with the with john and, and allowed us to go out and get him um what we get is a great player i mean a great person i've heard nothing but great things about him um, on and off the field. Everyone knows his on the field stuff, but off the field, he's just a tremendous teammate, a tremendous, tremendous person from anybody you hear that's been his teammate before. And we talked to a few of them that have played with him, and some of them are in our locker room, and they all rave about what kind of guy John is. So he'll fit in great to what, what we do and how we do it. Um, both on and off the field. 42 sacks the last three and a half seasons. That's a pretty big number. Uh, two sacks this <clears> year with Hamilton, obviously not on a very good team in Hamilton. Uh, you probably watched him a lot in the last month, preparing for a couple of games against the Ticats. What did you see in him that makes you still believe that he can be that I guy? I mean, he's still, he's still productive. He still gets pressures. He still does uh, disrupts games if you don't pay attention to him. So... Um, he still has his first step. He's still powerful. He's still strong. Um, he still hustles. He has a motor like nobody else. Uh, you know, there he still has a lot of good football left in him. Great football left in him. I know it. Um, and again, we've we've competed against him twice this year. We know it. So, um, looking, but nothing but great things to come from him. Um, obviously, he'll have to get acclimated to what we're doing rather quickly. But uh, once he does. I mean, he's going to be just fine. Is is it a tough defense for a guy like him to pick up? Uh, I think anytime you change teams, I mean, he's moving time zones. He's going to be staying in a new place without his family. There's a lot of things that go on and off the field that you have to think about. But football itself, a lot of the terminology is different, I'm assuming, for him. 
Um, it's not football is not rocket science, but it's still at the end of the day, it's still learning. It's a learning curve that you have to get up to speed with. And anytime you're thinking on the football field, generally you're playing a little bit slower than you need to be. So we'll try to get him up to speed as fast as possible. But he's a pro. He was in the he was in the office extremely early today, grinding it all as much as he could to learn, and he'll be just fine. How do he look today? Can you get a judge on one day? Yeah, or? I mean, he's he's exactly as advertised for us. I mean, I, you know, see him in a stance, see him come off the ball, you know, see the effort he gives on every play. I mean, that's the stuff I love about him. I mean, as a as a person who competed against him, watching him coaching against him, his effort is like there's nothing nobody like that. I mean, he has that effort on every single play that he gives you everything he's got, and he's got a nastiness to him and a a competitiveness to him that you can see on every single play. And um, he's been so productive over his career, and I'm just looking forward to him doing that for us. The end of your playing days would overlap with the start of his. Did you ever take a lick from I him? I don't or? even recall, to be honest with you. I meant just more of the competing yeah. as a coach to a player and knowing what we've always had to talk about when we when we go up against them those are more what i was talking about but uh thankful i don't know if i did or not i probably didn't because i wasn't playing a whole lot towards the end of my career and beginning of his i know mike riley said three of the five hardest hits he's ever gotten in football came from john chick so i know one of them last year for sure that hit changed the game actually watching it because mike was on fire that game too we were as an offense and he took two back-to-back hits and one of them was from john and uh definitely changed the 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 good feelings we had as an offense in that game. Do you believe that uh, a trade like that, acquiring a guy who's an all-star and a really good player with a really good reputation, does that send a message to everybody else on the team a little bit? Um, I don't know whether it does or not. I think it, what it what it says is we're going out to look for for uh, great players. If if we have injuries and and we don't have the depth that we need on our team right now because of them, then we'll go out and find it. And the thing with you know we do have good young players on our roster at D line. We don't have any. We have some veterans that are down. So anytime you can replace a veteran of Marcus Howard stature uh, or Philip Hunt with a John Chick, you're basically A for A. And then anytime you're going with a younger guy, that that younger guy might be better, but you don't sometimes don't have time to see and time to develop them. And right now, time is of the essence for us. So that's more of what it's I think telling everyone is: look, we we needed we had a need, we went out and got the best possible fit for that need, and now we can still develop our younger guys. But we have a guy in house now that we believe is capable of great things. You had three sacks and one pressure officially by the stats on Thursday night. Uh, did that play anything into the no, trade? No, I mean three sacks and a pressure is pretty good if you ask me. I mean, I realize we have a high standard for our football club. Um, You know, that didn't in no way uh, was part of it. It just, this was an opportunity to go out and find a guy that's a veteran to replace a veteran. Um, You know, that's what we were looking for more than anything. You got, I believe it's 102 sacks in the last three and a half seasons between Willis, Chick, and Sewell on that defensive line. That's pretty intimidating. Yeah, I mean, like we've said all along, our strength of our football teams, the O-line, D-line, I really believe that. I think that's how you build franchises along with your quarterback. you got to have, you got to be stout in both of those, those senses, and I think we are. And No question, our D-line is, you know, it's right up there with anybody's, and uh, it's, it's awesome to watch them on a day-to-day basis, game-to-game basis, and so we just added another piece to that puzzle, and 
we'll continue to hopefully wreak havoc on old lines. Uh, yeah, already a good uh, D-line, and uh, yeah, John Chick to it, so it's a pretty good move for sure. Uh, 33-26, the Eskimos lose to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Thursday night. It seems like a long time ago now. Uh, take me back to that game, Jason. Uh, it just seemed, to me anyway, a lot of uncharacteristic things uh, for your football team in, in the drop passes and the missed tackles, and you got in, in a hole, a pretty deep hole in the first half. And you just yeah, I mean, of it. the... The missed tackles was frustrating. We had, I think we counted about 22 of them throughout the night, uh, which is a very large number. It's very uncharacteristic of us, uh, and particularly some of the guys that are our most sheer tacklers missing them. Um, you know, and drops, yeah, we did have a couple of those, uh, a couple of big ones, which we don't generally have. Vidal had, you know, a 35, 40-yard gain probably gets us out of the backed-up situation. Uh, and gets momentum on our side to probably go down and score some points. Um, you know, little things happened early in that game. Right before the half, we decided to be aggressive, um, you know, trying to get a possession, trying to score right before the half, knowing we'd get the ball in the second half to start with and try to erase the complete deficit. And instead, we turn the ball over. They go down. They get a score right before half to make it. The, if it was a 10-3 game at the half, no one's even thinking about it, yeah. particularly how strong we started in the third quarter. But obviously that momentum they got uh, at the end of the half was big. And it turned out it's a one-score game. So that one that one score was a big deal. So, um, But I tell you what, looking at our team and watching our team fight all night and, and play their butts off I mean I was proud of it because that's what you set out to do each and every week is give yourself a chance at the end to win a ball game and I thought we did that to the very end yeah that's the one thing that really stood out to me because if there's any game that a team might roll over it was in that situation and you guys showed none of that I mean you came back so strong in the second half the hole was just maybe a little bit too deep but uh, you you clawed and scratched your way to the very yeah I mean with the injuries we were dealing with you know all year but in particular in that game we had a lot of guys step up and play and play different positions and, uh, you know, Kristoff didn't practice all week and he was hardly practiced at all. And he was he was playing most of the game and he wasn't, you know, going to do that. And then, you know, we have Alex Hoffman Ellis come in when Corey goes down. We have Chris Edwards step in when BT goes down. You know, we had some key injuries and Vidal, and actually our receivers, I, you know, don't forget that. I mean, we had three receivers go in and play different positions. And like I said, for them to fight the way they did and and, and to make it a game and, and make it a game that went down to the wire, um, you know, was, was tremendous, I thought, to be quite honest with you. I'm never one of those guys that, you know, I look at everything as a positive, try to look at positives mm-hmm. of everything that we do and obviously get on our, our, our negatives and try to correct them. But, you know, I always want to feel good about a game too at times. And, you know, those are the things I take from that game. The fight that we had was tremendous. Duke Williams was away for a couple of games, but uh, reminded us as soon as he got back just how good he is at that jump ball. Man, he made three great catches. Two counted, one didn't. Even the one that went out of bounds, he made a terrific catch on. He's, yeah. he's just a guy. Just throw it Just throw it up, eh? Yeah, he's amazing. I, I There's very few guys that, that I've ever been around that are like that. You know, I can count them on my one hand, and I've been around a lot of receivers in my lifetime, and... There's about five of them that I can remember that can go up and make catches like that, and he probably does it as good as any of them. I mean, I don't know where I'd rank him in that top five, but he's he's made some tremendous catches already this year, and he seems that it looks all they all look the same too. So he just has a knack for when that ball's in the air to go get it. Um, 
it's pretty awesome to, to witness. You talked about your receivers. Those the two touchdowns are in the third quarter, Kenny Stafford and then and then Duke Williams. Both great catches, both in double coverage, and it, I guess it kind of to a certain extent shows you the trust that that Mike Riley has in those guys to throw the ball up in a dangerous situation and know they'll come down with it. Yeah, the one that Kenny was single coverage. It was it was a post route uh, off of play action. We had really good time to throw the ball, and he threw it up, and it was one on one. And anytime it's one on one, it's good. The other one was off a scramble, and it was. Uh, and down in distance, I don't know if it was second and three or what have you, but we tried a little rollout, wasn't there, and Mike threw one up. Uh, and that one was a little bit more covered than you'd like, but again, uh, sometimes when Duke goes up, it's kind of like a Randy Moss situation where there's a couple guys there, you know he's going to out-jump everybody anyway. So if he gets his hands on the ball, generally he comes down with it. So uh, it's never a bad thing when you do that. Uh, for mentioning around on Auctionary, this is uh, the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. My name's Morley Scott. It is uh, coming up to 7.47. We'll take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Friday night, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coming to town. This is uh, the Eskimos Coaches Show on 6.30, Chet. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. We have the selection. You set the price. Now, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Saskatchewan Rough Riders in town on Friday night on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. We've got it for you, 7.30 for the kickoff, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff with myself, Dave Campbell, Blake Dermott, Brendan Ulrich, all on board for the Eskimos and the Riders. Uh, Always a great atmosphere when Saskatchewan's in town. Uh, We'll talk about that with Jason Moss, who's with us in studio now. But first, Jason, uh, you had uh, a crowded practice field today. Uh, Nice to have some guys back from uh, from the injured bay. Absolutely. We had a full, full complement of guys out there. I still have some in the bay, but uh, a great majority of them came out. So uh, it was it was nice to see uh, guys flying around, looking good. Um, excited to get some of those guys back. Yeah, some guys still in the sixth game and are practicing, but not ready to return. Uh, some guys are going to come back. Almondo yeah, Sewell. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a warrior, isn't he? I mean, that the look on his face when he was leaving the field, if you saw the clip on TV, and then today he told me it was the worst pain he's ever felt in his life, and uh, he just misses a game from it. Uh, he's he's incredible, isn't he? Yeah, no, he looked really good at practice today. So, um, yeah, I was shocked. I didn't think he it was possible that he'd be back this soon, but, uh, you know, I told him, go out and practice, see what it feels like, and by the looks of it and by watching film after, uh, he looked back to his normal self. So that's good news for the Eskimos. Um, we're excited to have him back. Uh, health is uh, is ticking upward, which is good. Uh, the games are getting more important. Tell, talk to me a little bit about a game against Saskatchewan. Always a great atmosphere when the Riders are in town. doesn't matter what the records of either team is. It's always an enjoyable evening. Yeah, no, that's a big rival. I mean, no question about that. <clears throat> they travel well in Edmonton, uh, obviously make our stadium fuller which is always a great thing for, for our players to play in front of. So um, it'll be a raucous crowd. It'll be um, a lot of fun to compete against them. Um, you know, we beat them two or three times last year, and they were all tight games. So, you know, they're much improved. Um, so, so are we. And so it'll be another good matchup. They're well coached. They, uh, they've got talented players over there. They got good schemes. So uh, we're going to have to be on our game to beat them. And but we're looking forward to that challenge. Yeah, I was talking to somebody this week. Uh, the crowd in Winnipeg was was really loud and, and really into the game. And we we're talking about how much of that affects people. And I, I was I kind of think I know in hockey maybe 
in football it's different because of the offense and the noise and everything, but it doesn't matter who the crowd's cheering for. If they're making noise, it jacks you up, doesn't it, if you're the home team or the visiting team? Yeah, no, it does. I mean, again, football's different than any other sport in the fact that it does hurt another team's ability to communicate, and the way you have to communicate is different, so the way you have to play the game is ultimately a bit different, uh, particularly when you waggle and you motion and you do a lot of things on offense. So um, that's always... You know, you'd prefer it when you're in offense to be quiet. But when you play in a raucous environment, I think though still at times it does play play, play it better for you. I mean, you get more emotions, you get a crowd going. Everyone's human, so they all, you know, get jacked mm-hmm. up when that, and they see that and hear that. It just means a little bit more when that many people are there watching you. So um, it'll be fun. It'll be a great atmosphere. I think our fans have been tremendous this year. They've been extremely loud. They've helped us a lot in our home game. So... Um, hopefully they all come out and support us and, you know, bring the SAS fans with them and, and fill the stadium. That would be a great, great uh, sight to see. You, uh, you lost your first game last week. Uh, when you come back to work now with the players, do you look for something from them? Do you look for, I know Mike Riley on our postgame show said, we've all lost games before. We know what we have to do this week. Uh, do you look for a certain kind of attitude or a certain kind of effort or emphasis as, as you come back this week? Um, you know, all I want is more of the same of what I've gotten from them all year, which is show up to work, ready to go, ready to roll, uh, with a good frame of mind. Um, you know, excited about being in the building, excited about grinding, excited about uh, living life, and that's what we're all about. So I didn't see anybody hanging their heads. I didn't see anybody hanging their heads after our loss. So uh, our locker room is solid. It's a great place to be. We have a, uh, a great core uh, a great culture, and that's what I've continued to witness. So I'm I'm happy to have seen that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we talked about being more fundamentally sound, and obviously that will help us in tackling and help us in catching the ball and helping us do all the little things that our jobs entail. So that was our focus this week. Is let's get back to the basics a bit here, and uh, we'll rest it up. Uh, we've had two short. We had two short weeks, two travel weeks in a row. We're back at home, had some days off, so we're re-energized, ready to roll. Uh, Sask will be the same. They're coming off their bye week, so. You know, we'll have two well-rested teams ready to battle. And like I said, I, I witnessed today, what I witnessed today. I'm, I'm excited about the the fruits of the, their labor. Uh, what's the key with Saskatchewan? <laughs> There's a lot of keys, I think. Uh, obviously, discipline is a big part of that. Penalties, don't hurt yourself. Don't turn over the ball. I think both games last year turned on turnovers on special teams. They, they made a couple plays there. So obviously, we have to be sound with our discipline on special teams. With, with uh, carrying the ball, all those little things. Don't give them any more possessions than they're going to get. Uh, be physical with them. Um, and at the end of the day, make plays. I mean, uh, both sides are capable. They both have great athletes, but we now need to make one more, more than them throughout the night. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of the key for us is play our game, which is physical, physical, physical football. And uh, that's what I'm excited to see. Should be a great night Friday night on the Rickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Head to the Eskimos website for all your ticket information. We've got it for you here beginning our coverage starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, Jason, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Good luck to you on Friday night. Thanks a lot. That is the Eskimos Coaches Show for tonight with Jason Moss. Uh, have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you Friday night from the ballpark.